Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we are back, and this is day two, and thank you for all the great feedback on um, the details and the facts that Julie and I are giving you. It's really important you guys understand this information so that you can then present it to your prospective buyers and your prospective sellers, and frankly, a lot of this information is giving you a sense of calm and confidence that you're going to need in this industry because we are surrounded by misinformation, and most of this misinformation, for whatever reason, and you know, we babbled about that a little bit yesterday, but most of the misinformation out there is trying to convince us that the sky is forever falling and that we're all going to be living in, you know, grass huts in the middle of the Savannah one day. You know, in other words, it's not pro-housing in any way. So it's a weird time in history, but guess what? Julie and I have been married 32 years, been in the real estate business for 25 years, been coaching agents for about 20 years, and we've seen these cycles before. Every time the economy gets bad, you will see, or gets challenging, right? Mm -hmm. You definitely see the housing naysayers come out of the woodwork, and the recurring theme or the common element amongst all of these folks is a little bit of, uh, you know, thinly disguised socialism. In other words, housing should be socialized, property, private property rights should be somehow, somehow done away with. So when there's an opportunity for sort of some subversive uh, conversations to happen with regards to real estate, uh, it, the same things always happen in the same orders. And as I was joking yesterday, you're going to see a lot of information come out or people starting to write stories about alternatives to the traditional suburban house, right? The suburban house that's you know, been occupying, they're going to try to paint like suburbia as some sort of a bad thing. And they're going to start telling you how the new thing's going to be putting, uh, what are they, micro homes on infill lots in cities and how that's somehow going to be a new trend. No, it's not. You know, so just I'm all I'm asking you guys to do is read the headlines as what it is, which is mostly fake news and pure entertainment, and then lean into the facts because it's with these facts that you will impress the prospective clients that you have, and they'll want to do business with you because you obviously are an expert, not just an armchair expert, but someone who's actually taken the time to get to know the actual goings-on of the housing market. There you are. So we are on day two. This is part two. And point number five, we're giving you talking points. Knowledge equals confidence. Ignorance equals fear. Our job is to educate you, motivate you, and get you into action. This is the education part of that. Point number five, real estate talking points. What about new construction? Well, get this. Builder confidence improved for the fourth straight month, according to the NAHB, that's the Wells Fargo Housing Market Index. Thanks to the record low inventory of existing homes available for sale, new homes now represent, get this, this, is, this surprised me, 30% of the total available inventory right now is new construction. Historically, that runs at about 10%. So housing starts fell 1% month over month in March, but that was due to lower multifamily. So this is another key headline. You're going to read that builders have stopped building, the housing starts have started to decline. That's only multifamily affecting that. Single family starts rose 3% month over month, and single family home co uh, completions continue to run at an annual rate of over a million units, thus the roughly 30% of the inventory. 
Since new construction is 30% of inventory and it's often not in your MLS, what are you doing to learn where the new homes are being built in your town? Which builders are subsidizing mortgage financing? That's an interesting topic. What builders have spec homes? Don't claim that there's nothing to show your buyers if you're not in the know on this important category of inventory. So I listened to a very interesting podcast uh, mm-hmm. yesterday. The gist of it was it was a guy that has created, and there's several companies that are doing this now. They've create they're trying to standardize new construction, and you could call it um, what's the? It's not they're not stick built homes. And like, uh, they're not, um, not prefab. They're exactly. not, well, they're sort of prefab. That would yeah. be the category I would mm-hmm. put them in, but it's all based on essentially standardized, uh, you know, walls and door sure. openings and the rest of it, which means you end up with a house that looks very modern, love it or hate it. But you know, it's kind of a fascinating trend, but mm-hmm. the problem is, you know, it was, it, it was interesting on this podcast, the guy doing the interviewing of this CEO, you know, asked him what the cost per square foot was. He didn't answer the question. Mm. Well, I went online and I did a little homework afterwards. His cost per square foot is like 2x what it would cost to build a stick-built house. So unless you're a real enthusiast of his product and don't really care about money, uh, no one's going to be building with that company. Well, why am I telling you this? Because there are going to be a lot of new startups and somebody's going to get it right. Somebody's going to be able to combine essentially a streamlined, you know, prefab-style home with, uh, frankly, a cost structure that makes perfect sense. And this is kind of fascinating. I don't know if you guys realize this. When, um, when Julie and I sold real estate, we started selling real estate in an area called Clintonville, Ohio. And a lot of the houses there, matter of fact, our first house, it was a Sears house. And this is the way it actually worked. And I'm not making this up. You guys should you Google. You can Google and see the catalog. It's pretty interesting. It's awesome, actually. Yeah, I wish I had one of yeah. those. Yeah. So, um, matter of fact, I grew up in a Sears house mm-hmm. in Colonial Hills. So, you have a, um, you go to the Sears catalog. You'd order the house. The house would arrive at the local, you know, train station. Those used to be all over, the, you know, the United States. Now, hardly any of them. You would go there with your buddies on the weekend and their pickup trucks and whatever, whatever. And all of the building supplies for said house would be sitting on the train. And then you'd haul it all to your build site. And then you and your friends would build the house yourselves. That is actually how things happened. This is basically a kit. Back in the 40s, right. Mm-hmm. And, and that was not a prefab necessary, necessarily. But those were coming from Sears. There will be something else like that. It's going to be maybe a you know 3D, what's it called? 3D printed house. I heard a really interesting podcast about that, and they're trying to make that more efficient and less expensive as well. And um, Elon Musk has invested in a company, I can't remember the name of it all of a sudden, but they deliver homes. Now, again, these are kind of on the small side, but you can put mm-hmm. several of these together and get a decent-sized house mm-hmm. that are delivered on the back of a truck that is – it's basically a normal 18-wheeler, and they the house is um, – Boxable. That's the name of it. Yeah, it basically folds out. It right? folds out, yeah. right? So the house will basically arrive as uh, as a sheet, as flat. You know, I don't know how to describe it. You guys should go online and look at it. And then the house will fold out. Well, the original boxable was again. Guess what? A trailer. That's what it looked like when it was folded out. But now what they figured out how to do is attach some of these boxables. So now you get something that's a decent size. Modular. That was the word. Yeah, so. modular. Yeah. Well, they're well, modular is kind of a trailer. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. But you know, in terms of you have these modules where you combine them, you can make different floor plans. They have standard shapes, but you can do stuff with them. So here's what we're, it clearly is going to happen because right now it is a everyone pretty much agrees 
that the U.S. housing inventory, availability of homes, we are we, the inventory needs to increase by at least five million homes. That's how many homes the market could easily absorb. And that's not going to happen on the resale side for all the reasons we've been talking about on this podcast. There is 100% proof and evidence in demand, and there'll be a ton of money that's going to chase all these new ways that homes are going to be built. Because here's the other problem. The average uh, person building a house is not a young man. They're 40, like 43 years old. Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of people that are becoming framers and plumbers and electricians, which by the way, those are going to be the jobs that never be replaced by AI. If you want to know, if you're giving advice to somebody in high school and they're asking what mm -hmm. they can be doing, uh, tell them to become a plumber or electrician or something that's going to be a trades job. Those people oftentimes make far more money nowadays than the equivalent doctor or lawyer or attorney, the traditional, you know, white collar type jobs. That aside, you're going to see an enormous amount of money and energy being put towards new construction, be it the traditional stick belt or be it uh, towards the, some of the different things that Julie and I just described. That's what's going to have to happen. That's going to happen in your market sooner than later. Maybe not. You guys get the idea of it. And here's the other thing that's really exciting. Um, we talked the other day about Starlink. We talked about the fact that Starlink now is launching satellites with this new um, you know, rocket. They're going to be launching literally mm -hmm. millions of these satellites, which is going to inter you know, connect everyone around the planet Earth with the Internet, which means people are going to be able to start being able to live wherever they want to live. So you're like Julie and I have a cabin in the middle of Appalachia in a little town called Murphy. North Carolina. So Murphy, North Carolina has never been a primary home place where people would buy because it's in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of North Carolina, <laughs> in the middle of a forest. I, hopefully I made that clear. So that would be a place that maybe you'd retire to. And that is traditionally what a majority of the people who live there have been, retirees. So what you're seeing, and we heard this from the tradespeople, by the way, is they are seeing a tsunami of people that are buying what these, you know, would have been a vacation cabin as their primary residence, and they're moving from the big cities because they can work remotely. So new construction, people starting to buy up homes in these areas that have been traditionally maybe their, you know, vacation home, third home type areas. You, that you guys get the idea. That's how people are going to evolve and going to adapt. You have to be there. You have to adapt as well. Open your mind to all the possibilities because we are just on the beginning stages of what will be a renaissance not just in the economy, but in humanity for all kinds of different reasons, AI being the biggest one, and housing is going to be drug right along with it. That's right. So point number six, talking points. Tim just gave you a whole bunch of talking points you can use. Point number six, what about rental prices? Rent growth is actually slowing. 2021 saw record rental growth, but after 10 months of deceleration, single-family home rent growth in February dropped to just 5% year over year. So it's still up, but it had been closer to 6% year over year. That's a core logic number. So if you think that you're going to hide out by paying a lot less in rent than the house that you could buy, you are wrong about that because it had gone up for so long. Now it's just basically stabilizing. Well, there's it's zero chance that rents are going to be uh, continue to increase because property values are increasing by 68%. And that means that property taxes are going to increase, which means True. landlords are going to pass that cost onto their tenants. That's right. But interesting, look how twisted that fact is, right? So rent growth is slowing. Look at how that reads, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. The growth of rent, how quickly it's going up, is less fast than it used to be. That doesn't mean it's not going up. It doesn't mean it's coming down. It just means it's not as crazy as it was. So rent inflation would be a, the, the honest way of saying it. Yes. But let me ask you, so what was it? Was it two years in a row that with both those years, the average rent by, went up by 20%? 
or it wasn't 20% per year, was it? No, I think it was over the pandemic years. If you put all that into the mix, it's up by about 20%. Right. Now, did it go up because there were a lot more people becoming, uh, there's an increased demand for people to live in rental units? No, it went up because the cost of maintaining the rental unit, the house or the whatever. And the property tax went up too. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. The cost of maintaining the property went up. So the rent had to be increased because inflation increased. That's the real reason. There wasn't necessarily a huge demand increase. It was a huge cost increase and that cost is the inflation was being pushed uh, back to the tenant. That's the way it always works Mm -hmm. in everything. That's right. So point number seven, this is always up there. Okay. You know what I'm going to say? Inventory. What in the world is up with the inventory? Have we seen the seasonal bottom in inventory? Normally we would have more than a month ago. The answer is still no, according to Altos research data. Again, we're using real facts. In fact, not only has it not bottomed out yet, but we now have suppressed, I'm sorry, we now have surpassed the latest date ever to have not rebounded into a spring market. What does that mean? So what that means is normally, you know, uh, in spite of whether it's pandemic, interest rates, whatever the factors are, there are historical um, tendencies, trends, where the number of homes, the number of actives tend to bottom out after the holidays, February, March, and then it's the spring market. The weather improves, spring break is over, and inventory skyrockets. And you can see this year over year, even after a couple of decades of watching this. There's been a couple of exceptions, like you know the first year of COVID, where you weren't allowed to even show a house if you could even get a showing, right? Um, so that aside, it should have bounced back by now. It hasn't, and in fact, Last week, it went down again, I think. Do I have that stat? Yeah, you did. Yes. So inventory fell last week to 410,851 homes to 405,468 active listings. That's the key word. Remember, we said that countrywide. That's a record low. This is why you must use more than your MLS to find inventory and make your sales goals this year. Now, what? why did Julie write that down? Because the home date, Altos Research is pulling their information about, remember, active listings, from the MLSs, right? So it, it, when you say these are actives, they have already spun off the pendings. If you add the pendings back in, it's about 900000 but I look at active like you could buy it today. But it's also not including the off-markets, not including new at construction. All. It's only including things that are in the MLS. We've done past podcasts about where to find the inventory that's not in the MLS. You guys know a lot of the home sales, what would we figure, 30% of all home at sales? Least, at, at least. least all th- at least 30% of all home sales are not transacting through the MLS. They might show up in the MLS afterwards as a sale just so the agent or the broker can get credit for it. But at the end of the day, these are transacting, we'll use the term off market because that's effectively what it is or just as effectively outside of the MLS system. So keep that in mind. And again, if you're just reading headlines and you're reading about how there's this huge lack of inventory in the country, well, that is true if you're only looking in the MLS. And again, we've done past podcasts and we have an excessive amount of coaching and premier coaching that's about this very topic. And if you're not yet a premier coaching member, what the heck are you waiting for? We've made it very easy for you. The easy button is read the description of this podcast, whether you're listening to us on iTunes, Spotify, or whether you're over on YouTube, just open it up, scroll down, click the link, join Premier Coaching, or you can just go to premiercoaching.com, 
premiercoaching.com. If you prefer, you can also make it so we'll text you a link to join right to your cell phone. Just text the word Premier to 47372. Text the word Premier to 47372 and we'll text you a link. And as I tell you guys every day, yes, that does include a a daily semi-private coaching call with a Harris certified coach. You want to be attached to people that are excited, motivated about the direction this market is going, not be attached to people that are waiting for the storm clouds to clear, not knowing which direction to go. We are very clear, all of our coaches, all of our coaching clients are very clear that this is their market because they're going to make it their market. Don't wait around because otherwise the greatest opportunities are going to pass you by. Markets like this, guys, create the greatest opportunities, not just for real estate agents, but most business owners because of the fact that so many people don't know what to do. You know what to do. Go to premiercoaching.com or just uh, text the word premier to 47372. Remember, when te- uh, when texting, message and data rates may apply. All right. So we talked about this part yesterday. I'm going to go to point number eight. Talking point. Yes, buyers do still want to buy. How do we know? Here's a fact. Purchase applications rose last week by 8%. There were significant upticks once rates got below about six and three quarters. Demand seems to have stabilized. And that's the proof. We, you know, you watch mortgage applications. And the thing with mortgage applications is that that is forward facing. That's what's going to happen. What it will happen. These are people who are fixing to buy a house, right? Maybe they're going to sell too. Okay. So when you look at, you know, month over month sales, that was in the past, right? That's like reporting on what happened. Mortgage applications are predicting the future. So if you see, for example, in the uh, last half of last year, when rates really did spike, you know, it was pretty radical to go within a few weeks of three and a half to 7%. I mean, that's shocking, even though 7% isn't the end of the world. It seemed like it for a couple of months there, right? And you could see that the prices, um, you know, were things were selling for less. There was a lot less inventory. But at the same time, that also happened during the holidays, which is a natural slowing of the market. So during that last half, you saw a, a lot fewer mortgage applications. It basically fell off a cliff. So now we see 8%. It's going up. And I think we've had... I don't know how many weeks. It's been quite a few where it's come back that it's, you know, demand is coming back. So that's all good. We are actually seeing evidence that there's going to be some easing of interest rates even further for political reasons, frankly, because, you know, we're going to be in a presidential election cycle. And if you guys want to validate what I'm saying, just go back and to see what the Fed has done with interest rates during presidential election cycles in history. Especially if there's recession times. Exactly. And so what will what they're going to, again, here's Julie and I's crystal ball. You ready? <laughs> a lot of you guys like us to, you know, prognosticate, so we're about to do it. We don't think there's going to be an increase in interest rate for the rest of the year, maybe ever. We think interest rates are going to stay flat. And the reason is, is because there is zero chance that the Fed is going to want to be at the helm of the creation of a recession. Everyone is saying the recession is baked in. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Well, not necessarily. If you look at the demand for everything, now I, you know, Julie and I were just trying to get uh, some out, outdoor furniture. I thought the supply chains and all the rest of it, I thought all that stuff was fixed. Nope. There's, well, there's it's a, been months or something, hasn't it? It's been 90 days. Yes. Yeah. That was even before it was shipped. I know. Okay. You know, yeah. it's crazy because there's such a back. Look, there is inflation because there's a, a demand for everything. People are wanting to spend money. If people are wanting to, you know, buy new cars, buy houses, buy clothes, buy everything. Is that any indication of a recession to you? 
Does it feel recessionary to you? No, the unemployment is less than 3%. It's got record unemployment. The number of defaults. I had someone ask me the other day how they get short sale trained, and I asked them why. And they said, well, I heard on Red or saw on something, blah, blah, blah. Somebody ah. basically filled their mind with all these fear and loathing about a housing crash. And I said, well, here's a fact. Less than 1% of all mortgages have any kind of you know default risk right now. That's the lowest it's been in recorded history. Did you know that? No. Okay, let's go to your MLS. Let's go to your property records and let's find out what the number of defaults are in your particular area. It was like zero. So why are you worried about short sales? So this is what happens when you guys start worrying about looking towards listening to people that frankly aren't competent to be giving you advice. You've well, got aren't it. qualified in any way to give you advice. What kind of advice is that? Let Here's what we'll do. We'll spend a whole bunch of time and money and effort pursuing something that exists less than 1% in the market. That's just crazy. Well, they're tr- By the it's way, if, if you run into a seller, let's say there is a seller in your market that you meet with, and I'm going to give you guys the, you know, you don't have to do a short sale. Listen to what your coach is telling you. And they happen to owe for whatever reason. Uh, so once you they pay their selling fees, they are not they're going to be you know breaking even, which frankly is fine, or they're going to be in a situation where they have to write a check and they don't have the money to spend. That's your worst case scenario. In other words, they owe five hundred thousand. The net proceeds to them is going to be four seventy five. They don't have twenty five grand. I'm making all this up, obviously, but here's what you can do: call, have them call their lender. Have them explain to their lender what the problem is, and the lender will give them an unsecured line of credit for the negative equity in the property or the $25,000, and they will pay that after the close of the sale, uh, after the close of the property. The lender does not want them to do a short sale. The lender will happily give them an unsecured line of credit, like a credit card, basically, and that's how you resolve those problems. You do not need to worry about how to do short sales. And that's if it's $25,000. If they're negative by five or ten grand, here's what you do. You wait about, you know, six months and the house probably will, will give you that $5,000 back. You wait till there's a new high comp in the neighborhood and you sell it for five grand more and break them even. That's right. The point being is that focus on the facts. Don't focus on the hype. Focus on the people that are like when you listen to information, when you listen to this two days podcast, when you listen to this podcast every day, you know, millions of you do, and you are listening to what we say, how do you feel afterwards? You feel motivated. You feel excited. You feel optimistic. You feel hopefully like you're actually going to go out there and help somebody buy or sell a house. You're not feeling fearful. You're not feeling like we're on the, you know, essentially staring down a zombie apocalypse. You're not feeling like you're just going to hide out and wait for the storm clouds to clear. You guys get the difference? So if you want to know whether or not you should be consuming more of a specific, you know, uh, you know, source of information, ask, monitor, pay attention to how you feel. How am I feeling as I listen to this? How am I feeling as I read this? How am I feeling as I watch this? If you find yourself feeling fear, if you find your, you know, your chest tightening and you're finding yourself really, you know, frankly, that fear uh, mechanism is starting to take over your ability to think clearly, stop consuming that content. (laughs) That's the simplest thing you can do. Start isolating yourself. In a market like this, the thing to do is actually focus on fewer things. We talked about that at the beginning of last week uh, in that podcast series from Chaos to Calm. Stay connected, guys. Stay connected with people that are going in the direction that you want to be going. That way you can accelerate your positive momentum. Avoid anything and anyone that causes you to feel fear, causes you to feel fear, uh, feel loathing, causes you to think that your you know best days are behind you. 
You need to remove those people and that information from your life. And I realize that's hard because it's everywhere. And I realize that's extra hard because everyone you love and care about, they themselves are probably, you know, awash with misinformation as well. It's going to require work, but I promise you it's worth it. Anything else you'd like to say, guys? Well, I mean, I just have to say I'm so proud of our coaching clients because they, I mean, they're a a very coachable bunch because you know what? Their, their issue isn't anything that you just mentioned. It's not about mindset problems. It's not about any of that. You know what their issue is? How do I manage all my pendings? How do I manage having all, you know, I am actually finding stuff off market and you know what happens? I sell that house and then I got to find a house for that person and I got to lather, rinse, repeat. But you know what the best part of that is? Because they're being proactive in this market, their profitability is uh, just astounding. I hear, here's, it, it always cracks me up when we, you know, it's been tax season recently and we'll ask about profit and loss. And they're like, oh, I don't know, it's not that hard. I only spend on like two or three things. I've just been going from deal to deal. That's a really beautiful thing, isn't it? Well, they've been going to multiple deals and multiple deals. They're not That's buying leads. They're not wasting their money they on branding. They find a deal. They, they transact with that person. Then they turn that into the next one. Or they're spending off so much business. One of the best things about low inventory, I mean, we complain about it all the time. Not enough for the buyers. Best thing about low inventory is what you can do with that listing. When you use that to proactively lead generate off of the fact that you have that listing, you door knock in the neighborhood, you do coming soon, you do open houses, you create leads from those listings. Open houses are killing it. So our coaching clients are busy. I don't know what everybody else is wanting. Well, about. yeah, and our coaching clients have killer profit margins. And killer. I, it's, it is astounding, actually, the difference between... You know, people that are trying to make sort of these old gimmicky marketing things and branding and all the rest of it work, and they're discovering. I had a, I'll just share with you. I had a mm. call yesterday. Um, this was somebody who was joining um, EXP Realty with someone that's in our group, mm -hmm. and he was in South Carolina. I won't say any more than that in case he's listening. But he had a record five deals pending, and he has a record amount of money coming in right now. Mm -hmm. And he said that zero percent of the homes that he sold were uh, in the MLS. So Isn't he, that he interesting? created all of his own inventory. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, he's a podcast listener. But the moral of the story, again, is that there are people that are making more money now because of this market. And, and they then their margins are, you know, 90%. Absolutely. You don't have to, you guys, you never had to buy your business in the first place. You, you never had to actually do anything other than apply the mindset of being of service and essentially then earn the business by having the skill set that people are willing to pay for. And that is really proving itself out now, isn't it? And you're experiencing that, or maybe you're experiencing needless struggle. Why don't you just change your frequency so you can be in alignment with what this new market demands. We made it very easy for you. Just go to premiercoaching.com or click the link in the description. It's simple. It takes you like three minutes to become a Premier Coaching client. Guys, listen, thank you for continuing to keep this number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents in the United States. We are going to start recording a series of interviews and probably release one of them per week that's going to be with some of these agents that we're describing uh, that we talk about, coaching clients and other people that are being very successful because of this market. We don't want you just to listen to us talk about them. We want you to hear it from their voices. And those are going to be in the form of Zooms or whatever. And so you can watch it on YouTube as well. I'm going to try to start doing those next week. Uh, obviously, coordinating schedules is always a challenge. But in the meantime, guys, listen, you are listening to and attending to and, you know, frankly, focused on the right things. You got to stay on that uh, stay in that mode. Don't look for shiny objects. Don't look for easy buttons. Realize that everything you want in your business and personal life is on the other side of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. And in that case, and you know, that being true, which it is, 
right now it probably means you're going to have to learn to, you know, skills. You're going to actually have to learn to earn the business because for the most part, the way that the business was happening in the past market, where there's a lot of fear of missing out, that's not in this market. This market's going to be about people that know how to have conversations. That's the point of these last two podcasts. So you can actually have the facts. So you can have conversations with folks wherever you are, standing in line at Starbucks, maybe even at your real estate office, and hear somebody say something that's not true, you're going to actually, well, you can choose to say nothing, by the way. That is an option. Yeah. Uh, that's usually Julie and I's stance, especially socially when we hear people spouting you know, misinformation about real estate. We just keep our mouths shut because what's the point? But if you are in a situation where you can offer information that's going to help somebody, you should absolutely do it. Oh, and by the way, that's probably your next buyer or seller. That's what happens when you, knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear. So please feel the confidence that comes from having the knowledge. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.